This podcast is for kinky adults only. Sexy voices make me think. And that question, so how did you get started in kink? Sadists, sluts, subs, doms, and slaves. Here's a place where all are safe. All Massacast. All Massacast, can you hear it? is in your ear licentiously pervertedly alluringly luring me i'll just be listening to massacast hello and welcome to another massacast a lot of people have been asking who sings the theme song and um i know i mentioned this before but in case you missed it it's my friend meg you can find her blog on massacast.com you can find a link there persephone in love it's all about her experiences in submission and kink and lots of other good stuff so welcome happy new year just a couple of quick things um yes i am planning more roundtable discussions and somewhat just plain kinky people somewhat dominant women somewhat submissive guys and um yeah so more of those are in the works if you or someone you know would like to be part of it go ahead and email me massacast at gmail.com also, because a number of people have asked for it, you can now donate uh, more than one way to the Massacast. You can still go to Massacast.com and click on the Donate button and enter in whatever amount you want. You can also click the Subscribe button, and that will automatically donate $5 every month. And you know, with more than 5,000 people listening now, uh, if, you, if everyone donated $5 a month, I could uh, retire. So, this month, talking to my friend Sasha, who writes howmyotherhalflives.wordpress.com. That link will also be on the uh, the website as well, massacast.com. But How My Other Half Lives, it's Sasha. Of course, I asked her how she got uh, introduced to the whole kinky lifestyle. I think like everybody, there were hints from the time that I was younger. I, I remember moments in college that should have tipped off that I was kinky. Like watching Secretary and thinking it was the hottest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Or asking a boyfriend to tie me up with a bedsheet. But at the time, I was at a crazy hippie women's college. It was a place that was a very safe space to explore all elements of sexuality and all elements of expression. So it didn't occur to me that the things that I was seeing and the things that I was playing with had identities attached to them, if that makes sense. It didn't occur to me that there was some greater community or some greater thing that I should be looking for. I thought, this is a time where I'm experimenting and figuring out things for myself and trying on these roles and seeing how they fit as opposed to, this is an identity. I must find a community. Yeah. Um, And then... Which is, I think that's the way most people do it, right? People don't sit there and say, oh, this is my identity now. Mm -hmm. You know, people just think this is hot or this is whatever, right? Yeah, but I I also hear stories of a lot of people who then go on the internet and Google everything about rope or Google everything about getting whipped or being feminized or whatever your particular flavor of kink is. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't my path because it never occurred to me that that was something to look for. Wait, I have to pause for just a second for my, this is, I have to ask. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that all the things that we guys imagine that happens at an all-girls college, those are the things that happen at an all-girls college? I am totally pleading the fifth because I Holy don't want to incriminate crap. anything. No, not necessarily. Okay. Um, there are moments where 
where probably if there was an outside observer, that would be the impression. But there are also lots of times when we're all in our rooms writing papers frantically and complaining about how much work we have to do. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard to make those stereotypes. Although I did bring boyfriends in and I, I did Shakespeare and, and you know, a lot of theater stuff when I was in college. And I remember there was one cast party that I had invited a guy friend of mine and, and a boyfriend at the time. And all of us were hanging out and getting drunk and being loud and being obnoxious. And there was my boyfriend and, you know, my friend sitting in the corner. Because they were so turned on or because they were scared to death? I think they were scared to death. I think that amount of estrogen was a little bit frightening. <laughs> they, they, it was this expression on their face of, oh my God, that's what happens when they get in a room together. <laughs> Estrogen is powerful stuff, apparently. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was, I was highly amused. But getting back to my story of how I discovered King. Yes. Um, after college, I moved to Boston to go to graduate school. And friends of friends introduced me to a couple of people I think were getting married at the time. And what I did not realize is that they were part of the polyamory scene in Boston, mm-hmm. which is when you find the right group is very welcoming and warm and fuzzy. And so I had met all of these poly people, but was sort of on the periphery of it until the next year when I went to a party and I met um, a couple who was there and I kind of developed a crush on the male partner and he and I ended up getting involved and the two of them turned out to be very heavy in the Boston scene. The BDSM scene. The BDSM scene. So they brought me in and got me an invite to all of the parties that everyone wanted an invite to. And I had no idea how lucky I was to get that invitation because for me, it was just, okay, this is what they're doing. So this is what I'm doing now. We should say, and and correct me if I'm wrong, in Boston, Mm -hmm. the scene is much more closed. Well, it has to be. Right, because it's illegal. You can't have open parties and stuff like that. There was, I'm going to get the date's wrong, I'm sure. So hopefully there's a listener who can correct me. But a bunch of years ago, this is the story that I've heard. Mm-hmm. So this is, I'm hearing the story fifth hand, that there is a, a party out in a uh, suburb called Attleboro that was um, broken up by the police and somebody got arrested for hitting someone with like a spoon or a paddle. And that's set the precedent to make BDSM in public spaces illegal oh. in Boston. So in Boston, they have parties, but everything's private. Everything's underground. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to know someone who knows somebody to find ins just because of the laws that are in place. It was through a poly couple. So yeah. were you so, more into the poly side or more into the kink side? or did you? Well, for me, they both kind of got blended together. Mm-hmm. And I realized that's not necessarily the norm and that's not necessarily the experience that everybody has i know i know a lot of poly people who aren't kinky but i know a lot of kinky people who are poly yeah there it's like a venn diagram there is definitely the overlap of kinky and poly yeah um which is the group that i just kind of fell into really what was the question again i'm just curious so like when you were discovering that Mm mm-hmm 
I'm just curious what that experience was like for you. Was it a, a big eye-opening thing or was it like, oh, this is what everybody was, does? Or It was a little bit of everything. It was very eye-opening. I feel like I did this very steep learning curve at a very sh- condensed period of time mm-hmm. where I often joke that they kind of went, okay, you see this big, deep pool of water? We're going to throw you in and see mm-hmm. if you swim. Mm-hmm. Cool, you're treading water. Yeah. You're one of us. Awesome. Yeah. So it... It all happened so quickly and it all fell into place so quickly. I didn't have time to process what was going on Mm -hmm. until much later. However, I feel really blessed that I got the introduction to kink that I did because the people who introduced me to the scene were smart, were responsible, and they taught me good habits right off the bat. And they, I discovered kink as a, you know, in the confines of safe, sane, consensual, risk aware. Yeah. I don't remember what the other two letters are of rack, but I learned good habits immediately. And I played with really with people who knew their shit, which made a difference. in now the way that I perceive kink and when I find people in the scene who are brand new, I don't know if feeling a responsibility is the right word, but I feel compelled to pay forward the experience that I had. Right. So if I hear people who say, well, I'm just new, I'm just starting out, I kind of go, really? Oh my gosh, there's so much stuff and you can go here and then there's pleasure salon and then you should try this website and that website and this person knows rope and this person does single tailing and oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. So I get very excited when I see people who are new because I love sharing what I know. I love passing on my knowledge and my experience. Or if there's something I'm not experienced in, pointing to somebody who is a lot better at whatever that thing is that they're looking for. How have you seen your evolution go from when you first when you were first introduced in mm-hmm. Boston to going through New York and now Chicago? What how, how have you seen your evolu- your personal evolution of maybe what uh is there anything that's Anything from your your headspace to, oh, I I thought I'd never do that, but now, holy crap, I love that? Um, Well, there are a lot of those, but I think more broadly speaking, when I was first introduced to it, it was very much kid at a candy store of like, I can do this, and I can do this, and I can Mm -hmm. do this, and I'm going to kiss everyone in the world, everybody. (laughs) Um, So I I had this honeymoon scene because this world had been opened up to me. Uh And as I have gotten a little older, a little wiser and gotten more experience under my belt. I'm starting to recognize the scene for all of its wonders and all of its faults. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of sand traps that are very easy to fall into in the scene, especially when you're just getting into it. But even if you're a well-experienced player, I kind of liken it to swimming in the ocean. Mm -hmm. You can swim it and you can ride the waves and you can have a great time, but there are undertoes and you need to know where they are. And sometimes you'll get swept out by surprise. Can you give us a few examples of those? Um, Or are you just talking? I'm talking in general, knowing how to get out of those experiences. I'm talking very generally. I'm talking from experiences I've, I've seen from people and some personal experiences where I was in a play dynamic that I thought was going by a certain set of rules Mm -hmm. and something happened where I was left feeling very exposed and very vulnerable 
to the person that I was playing with. Mm -hmm. And it was a very scary and very hard wake up call for me. And really forced me to look at what my own assumptions were about the scene and about players and realizing that this wonderful pool that I'm swimming in was actually an ocean and not, not necessarily unsafe, but mm -hmm. it's not guaranteed that it will be, you know, completely contained. Yeah. That what we do has a lot of risk. Just the way that we play, the way that we open ourselves up physically and emotionally to each other, you create a lot of intimacy with people very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And that can be really hard to navigate for just about anybody. And there are people who do it really well. There are people who navigate it really well just in the context of BDSM and you get them out of BDSM and things start breaking. Mm -hmm. There are people who have it really well integrated into the rest of their lives. Just because somebody plays a certain way or you have a certain energy with somebody in scene does not necessarily mean that you now have a play partner for life right. or you now have a boyfriend. And, and those are really easy assumptions to make and assumptions that can get people into a lot of trouble, which is why communication is so goddamn important. Yeah. Well, and also, especially when you're doing something like, like BSM, which is more than... I mean, some would say it's a type of sex, yeah. others, but it's a, it's it opens oneself up a lot more to different aspects of your of your yeah. personality, right? And you show you more of yourself than maybe yeah. if you're just having plain old vanilla sex with them, right? Yeah, you, it's it's a way to both create and strip masks. Mm -hmm. You you can in the scene people create idealized personas of themselves. You see this all the time when you go to an event, when you go to a kink party, where you go to a national event. People put on faces. Yeah. But at the same time, when you get into a scene, especially a really deep, intense scene where there's either a really deep physical play or a trance state or mind fucks, mm -hmm. it strips away so many layers and can leave both parties really raw and really vulnerable, which is amazing. It's what I love about what I do. But it's also... It also can be a place that's really wrought for abuse. And yeah. it's people just kind of need to learn for themselves how to navigate those lines. Um, I'm kind of a nerd about everything. So I love looking at those dynamics and understanding how they work and picking them apart. But that's, that's just me. But here we, we kind of go back to how we first started this conversation yeah. when you, when you said, that uh, you have all these different voices and you overanalyze things. Well, this is a situation where clearly that served you well. Yeah. Right. Definitely. So it's not. I mean, you, at, at, at first you made it sound like it was a bad quality and and, and something to your detriment. But clearly, <laughs> this is something that helps you out and it's probably helped you more than it's hurt you. There are two sides to everything. Right. Um, there are times when my overanalytic brain is less than useful, mm -hmm. and there are times when it serves me very well. There are two sides to every coin. To quote a well, well-worn cliche, because I am nothing if not derivative. <laughs> About a year ago, I was buying fishnets before uh, it was either a party or an event. I don't remember what, but I needed fishnets. And I was walking through Christopher Street, and I went into one of those little novelty sex stores that they have. I've got like a line of them down Christopher Street, as well as the, you know, hardcore BDSM places, but I just needed fishnets. 
And there is this couple there who were buying my first flogger. It was this teeny little adorable flogger. And the girl, the woman was buying this, I guess, collar that had these little studs on it and were very pretty. Mm-hmm. And you can tell they were very excited. And I just had this moment of, oh my gosh, you're so adorable. <laughs> Because I, I love seeing people when they're first getting into things and first exploring things. Yeah. Even even if it's, you know, really a, a, a five-inch flogger that yeah. won't do crap, it's it makes me warm and fuzzy inside. But, but it might do a hell of a lot for them. It could do a hell yeah. of a lot for them. But what was even funnier was they left, and I was sort of looking at the stuff that they had because I had some time to kill and I was looking at some of the collars that they had because they had these really pretty studded collars and they were far too expensive for what they were. So I didn't buy them, but um, the, you know, sales clerk came over and she said, Oh, you should get them. They're really nice. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of, she said, are you sure? And she picked one of them up and waved it in front of me. It'll be lots of fun. If you ever want to play master slave. (laughs) (laughs) And I just looked at her and there were 20 snarky comments that ran through my head and I vetoed all of them. (laughs) Good for you. Cause I'm, tactful and shit right and then i just said no you know just just give me the fishnets please (laughs) and what was even funnier was i was in service to somebody at the time so to have someone it'll be really fun if you're playing master slave yeah isn't that funny yeah um which kind of brings up um the title of my blog which is how my other half lives the reason why i i picked that title was because I always felt like I had this kind of Clark Kent exterior and had this whole other life that no one would ever suspect because I'm pretty inconspicuous when I walk down the street. I don't raise any sort of red flags. I look pretty unremarkable and normal when I'm just out on the street. like everybody else, right? like everyone else. That's the whole great thing about Kink, right? Yeah. And... So I, I was exploring this discrepancy between my the way that I look and the way that I interact with quote unquote vanilla people and the way that I interact in my my social life. And now I'm growing more and more uncomfortable with that dichotomy because it doesn't really describe me anymore. Because mm-hmm. I no longer feel like I have, you know, this is my kink life yeah. and this is my normal life and yeah. ne'er the twain shall meet. Um now I'm trying to integrate everything into my in, into my personality and looking at kink not so much as this separate aspect, but it's just a different facet of my personality that comes out in the right settings. Yeah. Because my quote-unquote vanilla self is not really an act. No, right. Yeah. It's still me. I'm still being my genuine self in yeah. that moment. I just don't need to tell whoever I'm talking about talking to about all of the kinky sex that I like to have in my spare time. Do you, do you find then, so, so you're, you're, you feel like you're more Superman than Clark Kent now? No, I feel more like a single integrated entity right now to say that I feel like Superman would give me far more, make me sound far more self-involved than yeah. I hope I actually am. So you're just, are you just not hiding it from people now? Or yeah, and 
I'm looking to pursue a career where I can integrate all of these parts of mm-hmm. me and I can bring whatever part of me I need to bring out without feeling like I must hide this whole thing. Yeah. Um, and, and like, for example, does your family know? Or? They know. They're just really not happy with it. So how do you, how do you deal with that? We just agree not to talk about it. Well, that's good. Um, I mean, as long as you've come to an agreement, right? And you're yeah. still talking to each We're other. We're still other talking, and and I'm very lucky that I have very wonderful and accepting parents who take the stance of we don't understand this part of your life, but you're still our daughter, and yeah. we love you. That's good. And we will support you. And the reason why I I kind of came out to my parents was because I want to do education around kink. I really want to get up and start teaching classes and giving mm-hmm. presentations and. Maybe, you know, eventually when I have time and I'm not in grad school to, to write a book about my own experiences, about the lessons that I've learned. Mm-hmm. And if I'm making these great strides in this kind of field, I don't want to hide it from my parents. Yeah. You know, I'm going to speak on a conference about kinky sex. You know, it, yeah. it's so. As long as I'm talking about the education aspect of what I'm doing with my parents, that's a lot more, I find that to be a lot more palatable yeah. than, cause no parent wants to know about their kid having sex at all, right. let alone, you know, non-normative quote unquote lifestyles. Well, was part of it too that you didn't, well, one part of, uh, for me is that it's really, it's really, Whenever I think about, okay, if I were to walk down the street and get hit by a bus, mm-hmm. and for some crazy reason, my family came to town, and they somehow found out about this life that I lead, right? Yeah. That it, they might feel betrayed, right? Mm-hmm. Or they might feel, oh my, we never knew him, right? Or yeah. Something like that. Was there any part of you that well, that was one reason that you didn't, you felt like you were hiding something from them? Not necessarily. No. I don't think so. Um but then I am very lucky because I'm not in a field where I have to keep things really super hidden. It's not like yeah. I'm working for the government or working in a place where it's in a, in a really conservative area. Yeah. And I realize that for a lot of people, that dichotomy is Necessary. unavoidable. Yeah. You, you just have to do it and mm-hmm. you have to make it work. Um, I have just been lucky to have opportunities to make choices where – I can take a more integrated approach to my career, my life, and my future. That's good. Uh, well, we'll see what happens when I actually get my career off the ground and how well, well that works in practice. Before that, when uh, you were working an office job. Oh, God. Were you, <laughs> okay, as, as am I right now, but when you were working an office job, mm-hmm. did you completely hide it? Or like when, when you get closer to coworkers and like something that happened to me was I always mm-hmm. had coworkers who were trying to set me up with their nieces or set me up with their... Mm-hmm. their next door neighbors or something like that, or, or set me up with someone else in the office. And I would kind of have to say, you know what? I don't think they're my type. And yeah. they'd say, well, what's your type? And I'd say, she just, I'd say, she just doesn't seem like she's uh, adventurous in bed. Right. Yeah. Which if someone's trying to set me up with their niece is an awesome way to make them shut up because the yes, last thing they want yeah. is to think about how adventurous yeah. their niece is in bed. Yeah. Uh, well, I never had coworkers that tried to set me up with anybody, thankfully, but, um, I had to come out about Polly because I was walking home with a coworker and my partner at the time was there with 
somebody that he played with and slept yeah. with and yada, yada, yada. So he overheard my conversation of, hey, I know you're with so-and-so. Hope you're having a good time. Call me when you're done. Yeah. And he was like, well, what was that? I was like, oh, you know, my boyfriend's on a date. He was like, oh, my God, that's terrible. How could you? I was yeah. like, no, it's cool. Yeah. She's a friend. We hang out. It's groovy. Yeah. Um, so I came out about that. Um, but I had, you know, there were all of these people who were, you know, 20-somethings who would make all sorts of jokes all of the time. And they'd make a BDSM joke. And I'd bite my tongue till it bled. Yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't want those worlds mixing. I, I, whenever a coworker or somebody that makes uh, uh, some sort of kinky joke... Yeah. I really want to say, you know, it's not really like that. Uh, you know, they'll, yeah. whatever. They'll, they'll, if they make a joke about something, then yeah. I, you know, it's really not like that. Yeah. You know, you're doing it wrong. If the, you know, yeah. Uh, I, I, I just chose to shut up and not that's say what I've anything. Yeah, I to do the same thing too. You know, um, not because I felt like I needed to be closeted, but because I felt like my sex life was none of my coworkers' business, yeah. and that's something of how I was raised too. Right. Of there are just certain things that you don't bring into the office. Um, so for me, not bringing up kink didn't mm-hmm. feel like I was closeted. It just felt like I was doing the appropriate thing for the environment that I was in yeah. at any given point in time. How well I succeeded in doing that is not something that I can actually gauge. You'd have yeah. to talk to my coworkers and I'm not about to sure. yeah, call exactly. them up. Call them back in. Hey, did hey, you remember that person who got, you know, who's no longer working there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How'd you think about her? Yeah, no, not well, we can, you know, not we can make a few cards. calls. And yeah. Them. Okay. The right. hell with that. All right. We're not doing that. I'm just offering a service. Um, You're so helpful. I know. Um, okay. You brought up Polly. So let's talk about Polly. Let me just. Okay. And I have, I guess I don't know the answer to this question. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between Polly mm-hmm. really, really horny? The snarky answer is more pretension. Right. right. But. <laughs> no. Okay. What's, what's the difference? I, I mean, I know the answer. I mean, I know the answer between what people say is the difference between poly and swinging and all that. But for you, what is what is polyamorous for you? Um, that's a really hard question for me to answer, actually, because it's poly. The, I use the phrase polyamory even though I have issues with the term because Mm -hmm. it's such a loaded question for so many different people. Mm -hmm. Um, When I use polyamory, I'm using it in the context of, you know, responsible non-monogamy where you have relationships with people beyond just sex. You actually care about the lives of the people that you are involved with. And that could be in the form of a relationship and it could be in the form of just a casual partnership or Somebody you see on occasion. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, I have a primary partner and here are my 20 secondaries. Yeah. Um, what I do falls more under responsible non-monogamy, which okay. overlaps with poly. As I understand swinging, swingers have a person with whom they are partnered and they will open up the relationship to sex and nothing but yeah. sex with other people. I guess my question is, because I've heard it mentioned in, in several different ways, I've heard mm-hmm. some people say uh, that they are poly because because they have so much love to give and they can give all... I know you're rolling your eyes. I'm just, <laughs> listen, I'm just telling you, this is what I've heard, that I have so much love to give and I can give all myself. And I've heard other people say, well, I have many needs and not no one person could could provide me with 
all of those needs to, you know, not one person can do it. So it, I can go to several different people mm-hmm. to get my needs met. Uh, and other people, it's just like, I, I can, I'm just wired this way. I can love multiple people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely valid. I, I, I did roll my eyes with the, I have so much love to give in my heart. Yeah. Um, it sounds like something a guy would say on a, on a, on a, on first, a first date, date. or something. Well, the, I, I have known, the reason why I rolled my eyes is I have known people who, talk a really good poly game of, and I have this idea and all of my different partners are happy and blah, blah, blah. And you talk to their partners and it's like, so could I experience any of this revelation? Could it rub off on what we've got? Uh Because I'm not seeing it. Uh, So that's the reason why I rolled my eyes, which of course all of our listeners could see because they're psychic. Of course. Um, Or they could hear the pause. Yes, they could hear the pause and the derisive laughter. But so speaking more seriously, yeah. there are people who just can't do monogamy, yeah. who try to be with one person and it just doesn't work. Yeah. And there's no point trying to shove yourself into a box that you don't fit into. Yeah. For me, I don't know if I fit neatly into either of those two scenarios of not one person can meet all my needs and I just am wired that way. Because I don't know how much the I'm wired that way is true. Right now, I am non-monogamous because that's what's working for me at the moment. It may cease to work for me and I may find a monogamous partner and I'm not closed to that idea. But right now, where I'm at in my life and my journey... I like having the opportunity to explore how my dynamic works with different people and how I connect differently with different people. And I I love having the opportunity for that exploration and being able to be open about it with the people who are involved. Yeah. See, what was really interesting, because for me, about seven months ago, Mm -hmm. you would ask me the same question. I would have said, you know, I'm probably polyamorous because – I like playing with multiple people. I like sleeping with multiple people and I, all this other stuff. But really what it was, mm-hmm. I just hadn't met the right person, yeah. right? Well, um, But again, that was just me and, and I was just a... Yeah. Milena, who is just one of the most brilliant and awesome women who I think I've ever had the pleasure of meeting, mm-hmm. uh, wrote a great post on her, blo- uh, on her blog, which she called like, God, what did she say? And I'm totally going to butcher it. Um, you know, her heart is poly, but uh, her heart is monogamous, but she's play poly mm-hmm. of the, the idea being that she only wants emotional commitment to one person. But when it comes to play, yeah. she wants the freedom to play with whoever she wants, Yeah, but still doesn't consider herself poly. Yeah. And I, well, I just have oodles of respect for Malena anyway. You want to plug her website again? Malena.com. M-O-L-L-E-N-A. She's go. just awesome. Yeah. I've had a number of conversations about dating with you. Mm-hmm. And w- right now, what's your prime stocking grounds? Are you going, uh, is online your best um, source? Or I'm just, for those people who are, who are listening or maybe trying to find someone who's kinky, are you finding more play partners or partners in the scene by going to meetings and stuff like that or online? Well, I've never had much luck dating online even before I realized that I was, you know, even back when I thought that I was vanilla and monogamous. So the online scene has been very hit or miss as I think it is for most people. Um, So when I use like felt like Vin okay, Cupid, I don't necessarily use it for the purpose of finding the one I use it as a, 
glorified procrastination tool yeah. and seeing who I know who is on it. Um, I don't know if my situation is really indicative of other people's situations because a lot of my social circles are, you know, with TNG, with people who I know kind of indirectly through the scene. And so when I find play partners, I usually find it through, find them through whatever social circle mm-hmm. I'm in, which has its ups and downs. It has its ups because it's a self-contained, self-policing environment. It has its downs because it's a very incestuous, yeah. self-contained Blah, blah, blah. So eventually, and, yeah. And, and eventually and, everyone knows everything about everyone and everyone has slept with everyone else. Yeah. And it's hard to find someone who's not partnered. Yeah. And blah, blah, blah. So I, I don't know if I can offer any sort of useful advice on that ground. Well, that's not true, actually. You can offer some pretty useful advice. You have, uh, in fact, one of your recent posts, you've offered advice to guys. Oh, God, the Fat Life Schmucks thing. Oh, God. This is the P- PSA. And I want to read part. Is it okay if we read part Please of it? I mean, we can read. People I'm, can, people probably can go and read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, Please I, I just love this. Someone messaged you on OKCupid and uh-huh. said, uh, and obviously, one can't see all of the misspellings as I read this, but uh, it says, You're ador- adorable, actually, for being 27. Thought you were underage at first. Which, by the way, makes it sound like the guy was missing you at first because he thought you were underage. Yeah. Well, I was like, because of all of those old and craggy 27-year-olds exactly. that you run across. Uh, whatever. Looking very innocent shy, though. I think I'm, this is, I am no apostrophe. Mm-hmm. Lowercase i. Maybe he's submissive. Huh? I'm going to be too outgoing, sarcastic, and just plain naughty for such a fragile girl like you to handle. Don't you think? Winky. Whatever that yeah, little, winky, little winky smiley, smiley face. face thing. Um, now, can I, do, you want, do you want to read it? Or can I, can I read your... Read away. Okay. <clears throat> so here's your response. You. What the hell am I supposed to make a message like that? Make of a message like that? I deleted it and went on with my life. Today, the same someone, I assume, sent me the exact same message on FetLife, only this time with the subject, subject line, Daddy's Home. Spelled D-A-D-D-I-E-S. Yeah. But you were, you were going through that, and you definitely, I mean, right away, clearly, misspellings <laughs> and grammatical errors is not the way to get in your pants. No. No. About spellings, I understand that there are people who have, like, dyslexia, people who have serious spelling issues. Sure. So it's not so much the, like, I don't know how to spell, but, it, it, you know, I don't know how to put a thought together right. is the is what really grates on me. I, I love what, here's what you replied back here. And this is really, this is really good. And some of these, uh, I'm, I'm going to, you, you were very nice to the person. Well, basically, but, can I give a little bit of background? Yeah. I've gotten so many of these damn emails. I can't believe that there are that many assholes on the planet. And I have to believe there are at least one or two who just genuinely don't know the etiquette for approaching people, especially in kinky contexts, because people make so many assumptions about what it means to play, what it means to be kinky, that if every single annoyed woman just deletes the email and doesn't say, hey, this is why you fucked up, nobody learns, nobody grows. It's just, and, and they remain creepy and clueless. Right. So I think this was a good thing. This is a very good thing, but also a very funny thing at the same time. <laughs> go. Uh, number one, when breaking the ice with a potential play partner, don't go with the I may be too big and bad for you, little girl approach. The smileys tell me you're joking, but I don't know what you're playing at. How am I supposed to how am I supposed to respond? Do you want me to show you what a shy and fragile thing I am? Do you want me to step up and challenge you? Are you looking for me to be be a brat? 
If we'd met in person, I'd know your intentions and voice patterns. That would be a different story. That's why it's a bad idea to make assumptions about me and my play styles based on my age and picture. Oh, there is nothing that irks me more than when people make assumptions. Um, and I know that it's such an easy thing to do, and I can understand the impetus behind making these assumptions. Right. But anybody, no matter where they are posting, is a human being with multiple dimensions, or at least one would hope. <laughs> <laughs> one would hope. One would hope. So... When somebody treats me either like a freak show or like a stereotype, I don't really want to have anything to do with that person. Yeah. Which I think is not unreasonable on my part. So. Number two, introducing yourself as daddy is uh, a really bad idea. I get that you were trying to be funny, but even with the smiley, it's just bad form. I, I almost actually went on an entire diatribe about... I was basically about to go off on him about how serious titles can be for people in play and how bad it is to open with a title and immediately playing with people and how that violates all sorts of boundaries and all sorts of non-sexy ways. But I deleted it because I'm a nice person. He said, this is the personal pet peeve. Using proper spelling, punctuation, and capitalization is in your better interest, <laughs> which it's I love true. how you had to point that out to him. One of the interesting things about FetLife is it's not exactly a dating site. It's not like an OkCupid site. Like, I kind of use FetLife as a kinky Facebook, where if there's somebody who I meet in a, at an event, if there's somebody who I want to talk to, I'll friend them. Yeah. Because it's a really easy way of me keeping track of everyone who I know because I go to all of these events. So for me, I don't really use it as a dating site. Yeah. So. Well, uh, at the same time, I've, uh, it's different for a woman friending someone on fat yeah. life than it is a guy. That's if a true. guy friends someone, then some women think, Oh, you're, you're taking assumptions that we're friends. I don't, sorry. I only, you know, some people have different levels of what they're going to use as a friend. Same thing as Facebook, yeah. right? Okay. I'll only friend people who I've slept with five times. And then some people are like, I'll, then some people, I'll friend you if you have a pulse, right? Yeah. And like, like, um, so that's a different thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah I can. My, I can my rule is I will friend you if we've had some sort of face-to-face interaction. Okay. That, that's my standard. You are um, something else that's kind of – I did not know this until I was – I was, you know, your, your blog kind of revealed it. And, mm. and that is you are starting to switch a little bit more. I am, yes. What brought this on? What, what made you decide, hey, I'm going to – I met some pretty people and thought I wanted to hurt them. (laughs) Um, There was one interesting defining moment for me when I was out visiting some of my Boston clan. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went to a play party out there. And I was in the middle of a scene with somebody I was involved with at the time who was a top. Mm -hmm. And he was hitting me and we were scening and I just, I wasn't into it. I couldn't get my head into it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what the hell was going on. And at some point I turned to him and I was like, I need to stop. I'm, I can't get my head into the scene. Mm -hmm. And I then realized why I couldn't get my head into the scene. And that's because I wasn't in subspace. I was in, I want to hurt somebody space, but Mm -hmm. you know, in a good sexy way, of course, (laughs) you know, in a, in a fully consensual agreed upon kind of manner. 
So I went and, and met somebody who was very cool and very sweet and kindly let me cane the crap out of him. And it was just delightful. How did you, how did you realize that you wanted to hurt someone? I mean, did you just said, I want to hurt someone? Or it was there... something clicked in my brain of, I think I want to hurt somebody, right. but I've always been very fluid. I, I took on the, I took on the identity of bottom because that's what I was mostly doing and mm-hmm. it was just easy. But looking back, there are things that I have done in scenes, both as a bottom and as somebody who thought she was vanilla, mm-hmm. that pointed to some topish tendencies. Like one of the my favorite games to play when I had vanilla partners was to just run my fingernails down every part of them except for, you know, their bits. Yeah. And just kind of watch them squirm. <laughs> and just deriving so much pleasure out of watching the partner react yeah. and being able to hold on to them of like, this is barely touching you and I am barely even trying. Imagine what I could make you do if I was trying <laughs> and then watching that reaction. Yeah. I, I don't identify as a masochist, I, uh, as a sadist, excuse me, identify as a reaction junkie mm-hmm. of, I love doing whatever I need to do to get a reaction out of somebody. Mm-hmm. And actually, before that thing clicked into my head, uh, I was at a different party, I think the year before, where I had met somebody and we were kind of dancing around each other. And it both came out that we were both kind of bottoms, except he was more bottomy than I was. Mm-hmm. So I started switching with him because I knew that's what – it was kind of a service top yeah. sort of thing of like, okay, well – the two of us can't bottom all the time. Somebody needs to, you know, yeah. somebody needs to, to take the role of the top in this scenario. And, and it just made more sense that I was the one who took on that role. And I got him to make awesome noises. That's good. And, um, the first time I ever topped somebody, I had two doms who were in the room who I had a huge amount of respect for who were kind of supervising me to make sure I didn't do anything really bad. Yeah. And one of them came up to me after the scene and he said, you know, Sasha, when you started the scene, no offense, but you were throwing like a girl, you know, just, you, you had the, the, you, you weren't putting your full arm into it. You were kind of afraid to it, but by the end, my God, you were really wailing on him. <laughs> Good for you, by the way. Thank you. Do you find, is there a difference approaching someone as when you want to top them as opposed to approaching someone when you want to bottom them for them? Definitely. It's, um... I kind of go by whatever energy I'm feeling with that person. Mm-hmm. There are just some people who I meet them and with five seconds, they say, put your hands on the table. And I kind of go, okay, without even realizing <laughs> that I'm putting my hands on the table. And there are some people who just, because of the way that we interact, it, it just feels a lot more easy and a lot more natural to be, just be like, hi, you're pretty. <laughs> Can I do mean things to you? <laughs> um, I tend to be a very gleeful, gleeful top. Right. Um, so anyone who is in the kink is serious camp should probably not want to play with me yeah. when I'm in those spaces. Cause I am <laughs> definitely not. Um, although there's a woman who is out, well, you know, out in the Midwest area. I joke that she is my evil twin, uh, goes by Ava amnesia, who is one of the most creative and intense players mm-hmm. I think I've, I've ever met. And, um, yeah, she will, hit somebody really, really hard and then laugh gleefully. (laughs) 
And you know, one of her bottoms said that there was nothing quite more disturbing than being in pain and having somebody laugh at her. <laughs> nothing comes to mind. I really enjoyed this, and it was uh, thank you. And this I knew that fun. I was going to get a lot of stuff from you because so really I talk a lot. <laughs> no, but that's perfect, though. But you, there's a difference between talking a lot and having a lot to say, mm-hmm. and talking a lot and not having a lot to say. That, so. that is very true. And this is something that I enjoy talking about, and it's something I love thinking about and imparting wisdom to other people. Well, um, also, and I know this is what you want your career to be: is to be educating people and teaching people stuff. So I, mm-hmm. I hope that uh, I hope you do that. Yeah, and and I hope people find this particular recording enlightening in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, if they don't, they can go fuck themselves. Exactly. Thank you again to Sasha. Again, how my other half lives. WordPress.com. You can find that link on the website. Email me massacast massacast at gmail.com we also have uh, voicemail you can find all that stuff on the uh, website massacast.com now before i let you go i want to play for you a little promo for another kinky podcast uh it's not just kink it's sex in general it's really really good kink on tap it's done by someone who's been on the show may may and a bunch of other people get together and have a, a great conversation every week we don't just all get together and show a lot of naked pictures <laughs> right yeah Kink on Tap, the Smart Sexuality Netcast. Live every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. I get trapped in the binary often. It's actually a construction of language as opposed to a construction of reality. The reason I think why people believe that, that you know, women are naturally more beautiful, I think, is because that's what we see all the time. I love the Bible. The Bible has so much good stuff in it and, and i find that the people who want to see the stuff that i disagree with will see only that stuff join us for an intelligent conversation and interactive chat room at kinkontap.com i particularly like the ones that you can stick on your fingers and then suck off again me a chef's knife and a carrot <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs>